and gentlemen, look down. You are standing atop miles, literally miles of bookshelves. Beneath your feet are millions of books that stretch five floors underground and extend out into this yard. They are part of the Harry Elkins Widener Memorial Library standing tall behind you. Thanks to the Harvard Student Tour Guides, I've heard the story of Widener Library countless of times in passing while walking to class these last four years. Harry Widener was a great lover of books. So in 1912, he went to Europe on a book collecting expedition. Wanting to return to the US as fast as possible, he boarded none other than the Titanic. Sadly, he, along with the rare books he acquired, perished. His mother donated $2 million to have Widener Library built in his memory. But she was a bit skeptical that another rich donor would someday come and have the library changed. So she had one stipulation, not a brick, stone, or piece of mortar shall be changed. Since she refused additions to the outside face of the library, Widener had to be expanded deep underground to make room for its growing book collection. And for that reason, some have referred to Widener Library as the tip of the iceberg. This particular story has always stuck with me because of the unconventional direction of Widener Library's growth. It did not grow upward, it grew downward. If this library grew in proportion to its book collection, it could have been the tallest building on Harvard's campus. And yet, the grandeur of Widener Library is unseen to the outside world. Here at Harvard, where our dreams are big and our financial endowment is bigger, it became difficult to allow ourselves to grow in unconventional directions. We could only succeed in one direction, up, we raised our GPAs, accumulated extracurriculars, and secured internships. These successes were immediately apparent to our peers, employers, and graduate schools. If we ask ourselves why we chose Harvard, my peers will give varying answers. Whether you are a pre-med student who wanted to spend the best four years of your life overworked, stressed, and sleep-deprived, or a gov concentrator who wanted to learn rigorous methods to reinforce your already existing political beliefs. A social science major, <laughs> a social science major who wanted to impress your friends with terms like intersectionality, moral relativity, and socially constructed or an ec economics concentrator who wanted to give back to the world in meaningful ways by going into consulting, investment banking, and consulting. <laughs> Whatever the reason, it is because we all hoped at some point in our futures that Harvard would allow us to reach a certain level of success. There is an expectation that we will ascend after graduation with the crimson H on our resumes, we will rise to the ranks of presidents, Nobel laureates, governors, Pulitzer Prize authors, and heads of state that Harvard has groomed for centuries. However, as we sit atop one of the largest collections of books 
in the world. We must remember that upward is not always the natural direction of growth. Success is not always visible. If we measure success internally, then that means the outside world will not see all our successes. And I am here to tell you that that is totally okay. It does not take away from their significance, their worth, their power to change the world. These last four years, I saw my peers value the successes that would not go on their resumes. I saw PBHA volunteers spend hours beyond their duty mentoring high school students. I saw survivors engage the entire college community in a conversation on sexual assault. I saw my peers from all walks of life march through this yard proclaiming Black Lives Matter. I saw student groups hold vigils for victims of violence from all around the world, from Chapel Hill to Aleppo, from Baltimore to Beirut. We discovered morning prayers in Memorial Church, performed our hearts out in expressions in Gunguru, and gallivanted the world on Harvard's dime. These varying successes were often an invisible force behind the world of our visible achievements but they were necessary, they were self-defined, they mattered, they helped us foster our compassion, kindness, and patience. They made us human. I think about what would have come of Harry Widener were it not for his untimely death. Would he have grown old as a bibliophile unknown to all but his family? Or would he have become a world-renowned book curator? Regardless, he succeeded in his lifetime, not because of a grand library in his name, but because he pursued what enlivened him until his last day. Back then, Harry's book collection probably meant little to the world, but it meant the world to him. Harry Widener was not a president or a Nobel laureate. He was a man who ardently admired books, and that was his success. The world will often reduce us to the sum of our external achievements. But just like Widener Library, they are just the tip of the iceberg. They are what the world sees, but not necessarily what the world needs. The world needs people who think tender thoughts, whose eyes softly illuminate when speaking of their careers, who leave the world better off than when they entered it. For most of us, Doing so requires that we succeed in ways that are unseen to the outside world. So just remember, the, the glory of Widener Library does not stand in its towering pillars, but in the treasure that grew down beneath your feet. So let us go forth and grow in whichever direction that may be.